Hello and welcome to uh, now this third episode uh, of the Miramichi Historical Linkages uh, podcast. So uh, thanks very much for uh, joining us again. And if this is your first episode, like I say, there's two more episodes that we've already done. So be sure to go back and check those out as well. So um, in our first two episodes, we talked a little bit about ourselves. We talked a little bit about the project. And now we're going to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of what we've been into now for the last, just, oh, you know, uh, eight or nine months. Uh, the interviews themselves. Uh, we touched on it a little bit last time. Uh, but today we'll be going into a little bit more detail uh, about what we were kind of expecting when we went into those interviews, how we conducted them, and, uh, you know, things of that nature. So... Uh, once again, uh, I am Sean McCarthy. I'm joined by Alison Tardy, e, Tasha Smith, and Sarah Ward. So, uh, welcome everybody. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was interested in kind of uh, talking about our interview process because I know that um, as the person conducting the interview, I was nervous when we were first starting. Um, thinking like, you know, do I show up prepared with like a list of questions and, you know, how, how long is a good interview and is this going to be too short or is the person I'm interviewing going to feel, you know, bored or pressured or how are they going to think that this process is going? So I thought maybe if we visit a little bit about, um, how we go about our interviews now, now that we've done quite a few, and we as uh, interviewers are more comfortable, then maybe we can kind of um, we can kind of open the door for people who might have stories or who might have uh, information or research that they've done that they'd like to share with us, and make them feel a little bit more at ease, a little bit more comfortable, so they're not worrying about um, the same things we all worried about when we started. I agree because it's good to show that all interviews are different too. Like you said, depending on the length or if it's good or not, they're all great. And another thing I think would be great to point out is realizing that an interview is not just one and done. You usually go back more than once and have more than one conversation. And, and then you can piece all those pieces together. And Yeah, exactly. And I know that at the beginning, a lot of my interviews, uh, I would go in expecting to kind of have – just to walk away with like a list of new information. Um, and instead I would leave with a list of like 10 people that I should contact for more interviews. So <laughs> there were a lot of like little surprises like that, I think with the interview process that, um, that ended up making this project just more fun and a little bit more intricate and more detailed. All the hidden treasures. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'd say uh, one interesting thing about uh, a lot of the interviews I've done, um, I think mostly all of them, I'm they either knew a family member of mine or were a family member or are a family <laughs> member of mine. So I thought that was quite interesting and fun. Like you said, it's all the connections. You find out how small the world really is. Like it's not just a thing. Yeah, really. <laughs> Most of my interviews – if not all of them, I would say from the very beginning of the conversation, uh, the first two minutes, I would say, on average, was the interviewee telling me about how um, they couldn't really think of anything that, that would be worth sharing. 
Uh, and then those interviews usually went on to be an hour or two filled with great information. <laughs> Same exact experiences. It was quite funny because I noticed the pattern. I was like, oh. The second interviews were always funner too because then they're, they're, everyone's more relaxed. Yes. They're like, you know, the introduction part kind of out of the way. And then they think of stuff too over time or you think of questions over time until you see them again. Then you're like, hey, I was wondering about this. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys for when it comes to um, picking the people that you're interviewing. So did you guys kind of like go in with just this list of people or was it you did research and found names through research or what was your process when, when you started to come up with this list of people to interview? Well, I mean, I, I guess I would just answer yes. <laughs> I did both those things. Uh, you know, I, I started off with, uh, you know, with some people that I, that I thought could be able to kind of, you know, um, you know, tell me some things. Uh, I guess people that I knew were, um, for lack of a better word, maybe experts or very ex experienced in some aspect uh, of the past and that I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about. So that would kind of be a stepping off point for those interviews. You know, I would kind of say, okay, well, I know you know a lot about, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation of the Irish festival. Well, tell me how that started. And then let's use that as kind of our, 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 our stepping off point and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, there were, there were, uh, opportunities just to kind of sit down with, uh, with other people and kind of like what you say, Allie, you know, I didn't so much as interview them, but they just told me, okay, well, here's, here's a list of people that you can kind of talk to, you know, uh, so yeah, so there were interviews that were very kind of historical, but then there were ones that were much more about kind of networking, uh, and were much more about, you know, cause I met with the historical society and the Highland society. And those meetings were not really so much about telling me information. It's about giving me, you know, kind of contacts for people that, uh, I could kind of, uh, speak to. And then, uh, and then sometimes, you know, when you were, you know, when I'd be flipping through a book, and I'd find somebody, you know, an author or a historian that, you know, was still in kind of the maritime area, I could reach out to them and maybe kind of set up an interview that way as well. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess kind of a, a little bit of, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B <laughs> and some of the column C as well. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Tasha? I would say the same experiences as both of you guys. I just, I, took the information I already had in my head or like the connections I've had pr prior and I reached out to them and they were able to give me some more names uh, of people who to connect with. Sarah's been a great help too. She's always passing on information to us. So I'm like, I always jot those down when we're at our meetings. And, uh, and uh, one thing I noticed that sometimes when you're reaching out to people and where life gets so busy, they don't always return your message, which is totally fine. But then you have to remind yourself as the interviewer that you have to sometimes send that friendly reminder or message being like, hi, like I reached out if you're still interested. Um, but other, and then like I find one of the issues I had was scheduling I think like everyone was they wanted to meet up but then with the pandemic and stuff like that that did cause a lot of issues to meet up and now thankfully things have you know subsided it's nice to get out there and be hands-on face-to-face talking to people um, another thing was I never did a, a telephone interview before I realized 
until I started this career. So then I had a couple of those like that's fun and a new experience because a lot of time when people think interview, they automatically, well, in my opinion, most are thinking, like you said, verbally face to face or with a list of questions. I feel like that's what I was taught in high school. <laughs> right. But then when you get out and right in a university and stuff like that and you're doing your research or it's just fun to see how many different ways an interview can be conducted. Yeah. I mean, most of mine were done uh, via either Zoom or a phone call um, because a lot of the people that I did interview were either not from the area or not currently in the area. Um, or, you know, some of them were a more um, vulnerable population with COVID uh, being older. So we just all kind of felt more comfortable doing it over the phone. And that was just as nice. But I do look forward to, you know, maybe reaching out to those people again and seeing if maybe if we sit down face to face, if those conversations go a little bit further. And But I think that's another important thing um, in terms of bringing comfort to people who, I guess, who are curious about chatting with us. Um, we're very flexible. <laughs> like, We'll do a phone call. We'll do in person. We can do a Zoom. We can do, do you rather written it down? You know, having it written down. We'll do email. You tell us. We'll do it. Because um, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that everybody that's involved with these interviews are are comfortable and are able to just have like a, a fun experience out of it to be able to tell us um, their stories and to tell us what they want to want to share with us in a no pressure environment absolutely because the pressure is real on both sides yeah, exactly <laughs> so when, uh, that's one good thing about um i guess uh, uh this research right you know like that it's an ethnographic research what we're doing so we're telling story and we're giving people a voice so we're documenting things that are, I guess, the, the two researchers are documenting, or three researchers. I see. I just forget Sean. <laughs> You're also a researcher too. So you, you guys are documenting people's stories as is. You know, we're not trying to put things around, try to make it statisticals or analyze it. We're, we're documenting the story as people tell the story. So, which makes it more interesting because, um, we're talking about the Miramichi, and there's so much rich culture here and so much uh, interesting stories, even for myself being here for a couple of years. You know, I'm still learning about a lot of things. I'm still discovering things. Um, so I think that's, that's what makes this research great is because you're, you're telling people stories and you're documenting, and, and this is what's needed even in, in every culture, like, you know, with the living in ill ground or in working with First Nations and doing things First Nation, I find that there's a lot of uh, rich stories and rich history and culture, you know, and I wish this was happening years ago because we lost some elders that had so many information that they had, like, you know, and I think it's very important that these stories are documented and, uh, you know, even to back up because when, when you hear something oral, you go back and you look at the landscape or you look at documentation and you kind of parallel things and you say, oh, yeah, this really happened. Because we can see something that's written and we read about it, but to actually hear from a person that experienced 
some of the events brings life to that story, and which is really interesting, which is really great about, you know, I'm, I listen to all of you when you tell a story when we get together, and I'm like, this is really nice, you know, I'm learning from all directions. And to kind of build on that, Sarah, like I know myself, um, there was at least one gentleman that I did have a chance to speak to, and he since passed away. So, you know, uh, I'm very, I mean, I was very grateful to speak with him anyway. But, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, understanding now that I was able to kind of uh, record, you know, some of his stories before, before he passed on, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of adds a, a, another layer of significance to that conversation. It makes you kind of think about it. Um, I know those conversations that we've had throughout our meetings, they got me thinking about my uh, grandfather and my grandparents and how a lot of them had passed away. And it's like, I should start recording, even if it wasn't for work, just recording our conversations because you don't realize how much you miss the conversations when they are gone or like you said, all the information that just from a casual conversation, you could have figured out something new, whether it was like, you know, just about your own family history is quite interesting and then connect it with others family history makes it more exciting in my in my opinion anyway i love connecting lives to lives because it just i don't know why it amazes me but it does i just think it's so beautiful how we can live our life and influence one another in positive ways <laughs> i think that our like interview process did kind of plant that seed for me too that you know, there's this importance in like sitting down with our grandparents and our parents and just talking and listening, right? Letting them talk and listening to, to what they, you know, what they lived through and what they thought was a significant part of their uh, childhood or their young adult years or, you know, and I think that it has the same process as when we conduct our our interviews for this project where, you know, it starts off by saying, you know, oh, well, you know, milk at that time costs this much and candy costs this much. And, and then at the end of, you know, an hour or two, you're talking about things you never knew your grandparents had lived through. Um, so I think there's there's just a huge importance that was placed on just taking that time listening um, for me anyway, once I really got into these interviews and made me realize that there are stories like this in my own family that we're not taking the time to sit down and listen to. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. That's the homework I'm sending out to all of our listeners. <laughs> Go and sit down yes. with your parents or your grandparents, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, anybody. Just sit down, let them talk. Just listen. And then call us with your information. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And if you know those stories, write them down. You know, I yes. mean, because again, I mean, you know, like there, there will come a time, you know, that, you know, that, and again, I think we, I think we've all been there, you know, in our, in, in our young adulthood when, you know, we, we don't put the kind of, you know, significance on that that we should. Uh, and we come to realize it too late, you know what I mean? That, you know, well, I, I certainly know I did. Like, I, I always remember, you know, it was my first year working at Bobears, and I sat down with my dad's father, you know, who, uh, who passed away at the age of 91. 
And we had a conversation for about 45 minutes. I wrote none of it down. Then <laughs> I remember, you know, two things, you know, I mean, at a 45 minute conversation. And I wish I could remember, you know, so much more. So, yeah. So when you, you know, and so like I say, I, I'm trying to, you know, you know, write stuff down now that, you know, that maybe someday, you know, my nieces or whomever might, might be interested in and, you know, and then it's there, you know, um, for them. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's it. But like I say, I, I, absolutely. I think there, I think it's so much richer, Ali, as you say, and Sarah, as you say, and Tasha as well, you know, and when you can hear it. You know what I mean? When, you know, when you get that experience person to person, you know, so I think, you know, yeah, if, if, as and when you're able, like I say, yeah, definitely. I, I, I back that homework uh, 150%. Yeah. Well, and I think we forget that we're living in, in the future's history, right? So sure. I think it's easy for us to think, like, even with me, when I started doing this research, reading through some things and trying to find information on things and just saying like, I just wish that somebody would have written this down. Like, why did nobody write this down? I'm not writing anything down that I'm going through on a day-to-day basis, but I, I sure bet it would help the historians and, you know, in the future who are trying to do this project in a hundred years from now, we're trying to get information on what Miramichi was like during the pandemic. <laughs> you know, we, we don't, I don't know. It's almost like we don't uh, necessarily think of right now as being a, anything other than the present. But at the end of the day, if we don't leave anything behind either, hmm. then we're continuing this vicious cycle of hmm. of questioning history. But I think at the same time, too, you know, kind of to your point originally about the fact that, you know, that I think a lot of people come into these interviews and say, oh, I mean, I don't have, I don't have too much to tell you. I often, I think it, I've ended most of my interviews with the, with that person telling me, well, I don't think I gave you too much information. Yeah. You gave me so much information, you know, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. But again, like, uh, you know, I think we all of us don't really see the, the, the history that's, that's kind of in our own time. Uh, no, and of course. Um, so even if, even if, even if we're, we've, li- we've lived a great deal of it. Yep. Another thing too is that when, when we do document stories like that, um, because in history books and newspapers, they're written about people that are in the public eye, like, you know, politicians or somebody done something to exceed. But you never hear the story of the people that actually helped these people get where they, they got or how they participated. And yeah. this research tells a story like, I was there when this was happening or I did this in the background, yeah. like, you know, and, you know, we kind of, to the, the bottom of when something is planned or when somebody's building their life. You know, it gives stories and history to those events too. Actually, it's great that you went uh, before me, Sarah, because I was pretty much going to say the same thing you just did, that it would be great to see how different people experienced it, like that wasn't in the public eye. So as I say, each community too, like that's um, for each culture, how they dealt with that scenario, especially the ones that are like located, you know, right next to each other, close proximity. If an event happened, say like the Miramichi fire, for an example, all the communities, mostly the communities experienced the same situation almost, but dealt with it differently or vice versa. So it's just great to see how it was. Uh, and another thing to work through. There's some, some stories that are hidden because like, I mean, Tasha and I were talking about um, residential school 
And as we're talking, she said, my grandfather never shared this with me. I'm surprised she didn't share this. And I said, because your grandfather was protecting you. You know, so things like that were uncovered because there's hidden things that, that was never shared for our own protection or, um, I, I, I tell the story, I guess, um, as I said, I come from New Mexico. So during, the, I grew up kind of during the civil rights movement, right? Um, I got this sweatshirt for my brother, Muhammad Ali t-shirt, my sweatshirt, more or less. It says, I'm the greatest. I'm so happy I got the sweatshirt, right? Uh, a few days later, it disappeared. I couldn't find it, but I didn't know the consequences of wearing the Muhammad Ali t-shirt, sweatshirt at the time. My mother hid it because, um, for my safety. It was when I was like coming back from Oklahoma and my mom says, this was yours, remember? She gives me back the sweatshirt. But I did not understand. I was a child. I did not understand what was going on then. But for her to take it from me, it was for my own safety at the time. You know, so that kind of tells you some things about history, like, you know. Right. Like, think of that story written from your point of view and that story written from your mom's point of view. Right. Like, if history was written that way, if we could see all these different point of views, how much more we could understand. So I remember growing up and Mm -hmm. thinking, like, I don't need to write anything down in journals and diaries. Like my mom journals every single night. I don't need to journal. (laughs) She has everything written in there. But then here I am listening to this and being like, yeah, but my mom and I's experiences are different. We, we lived through the same, you know, a lot of the things that she's written in there are big events that were huge and important for both of us. And we lived them in completely different ways. And do you find that in the interviews too? Do you find a lot of, uh, you know, people talking about the same events kind of from different uh, from different uh, angles, I guess, or from different perspectives? Yes. I'm trying to think if many people on my end have really brought up specific events that were repeated. I don't think we've hit that so far, but I would love to even, like, even if we can think of, like, one event and – and just kind of throw it out there and say, hey, if you attended this or if you lived through this, please reach out to us. We would love to hear your experience of that event or that moment and just have kind of like a, you know, a compilation of everybody's experiences. That'd be interesting. But no, I haven't I haven't had any of that happen yet, but now I really want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was trying to think too, but I couldn't fully think of anything off the top of my head at this moment. I had to go through all the stuff I've written down or recorded. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Have you had anybody that's not yet, eh? Not really. Not really. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think kind of different different perspectives on kind of like broad events. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? But but not but not something specifically. Yeah. Um, I think probably the closest I may have gotten was you know something like. You know the, the the Second World War or something. Right. You know what I mean? We're, we're, you got you got to. But again, but it's 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 so it's such a it's such a big event that you know there there are so many perspectives on that, and they're not necessarily spe- things about the same you know, individual event within that larger uh, narrative. Yeah. So I'm even uh, thinking uh, like we've had so many big events in the Greater Miramichi area that mm-hmm. there are people who 
either people who lived through it who are still alive or who have, you know, maybe it's the children or grandchildren of those people who might still have their their family members experience either written down or memorized who knows how they they have it saved but i think that would be an interesting call to action for for us to have at some point to just kind of see what people experienced and how well stay tuned dear listeners and viewers <laughs> the, the difference i notice is that the, in western culture you probably find a lot of things like you said journal written things down but it's kind of amazing how when we talk to our elders and our first nurses community, how remember how they remember things. You know, they, they sometimes they point to dates, sometimes they point to events, but they're not written down. But their mind is so sharp telling the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Acadians have a lot of that same uh, same way of keeping stories. I think that it's a lot of I think both of our communities are storytellers, right? Where that's an important part mm-hmm. of of family time and community time as we sit down and we share stories. But it's not shared stories from a book or from, you know, pen and paper. It really is here's a story that my mother told me, whose mother told her, whose mother told her. And <laughs> and I know Sarah you had kind of talked about this before about how the story naturally changes, but it's that it doesn't make it any less true. You know, I totally agree with that. Cause I find every time my grandfather would tell me a story, there was like a little new piece yeah. in there. So I always listen, even though most like 99% of it was the same, <laughs> but I'm like, there's always that one little time that he mentioned something new. So I'm like, yeah. I'm all ears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, friends, we have reached the, uh, the end of our third episode. Do we have any parting words? Well, if you're if, if you are interested in uh, speaking with us, uh, the information I think is going to be displayed uh, on your screen right now. Maybe as I'm talking, and will certainly be in the in the, in the description below. Um, so we encourage you again uh, that uh, yeah, if, if you've got some things to share with us or some research that you've done, we'd certainly love to speak with you. Uh, we're hopeful that in the course of these three episodes, we've demonstrated that uh, we're all very approachable and very uh, nice people. Uh, that's it. That our disguises have not slipped uh, in the last <laughs> in the last you know uh, ninety minutes that we've spent with you. Um, so yeah, so that's it. And we promise that they won't slip during the during the interviews. That uh, that's right. That uh, yeah yeah that's it. Well, anyway. Maybe. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we can't end this podcast without having. Only our favorite segment, where Sean sings the outro. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I I had three weeks to prepare for this, and you I really and, did. I, and I didn't. You really I, you I, knew I, this I, was I, coming. I, 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 I wasted it. I wasted it. Um, so that's it. So anyway, that's it. So yeah, the best I can come up with is uh, yeah. I mean, it won't be a song, but I mean, it'll it'll, it'll rhyme. We'll take. So it. here we go. Um, that's it. That's it. As uh, as a friend of uh, as a as a friend of mine says, you get what you get, so don't get upset. <laughs> so uh, so that's it. So here's to, to all of you, as good as you are, and here's to me, as bad as I am, as good as you are, and as bad as I am, I'm as good as you are, as bad as I am. So uh, there you go. Uh, we'll see you next week. All the best. Thank you so much. <laughs>